Hi, this is Rachel. Hey, this is Spencer. And this is Neon Boots, the 90s country music podcast. <laughs> Today we have with us Charles Latham, who is a songwriter currently located in Durham, but from kind of all over, I guess. And we've been trying to get Charles on for the last little bit. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. A few shout outs on some previous episodes, including James. James Phillips, who um, we just finished recording our yeah. new record with. He also sat in with us uh, for a gig. So he's just, I mean, that's talk about a, an engineer. We'll do right. that for you. Yeah. And not to mention, he's got obviously Bombadil going on. So right. yeah. 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 You all have had a lot of great local, local musicians on. Thanks. Hey. We're trying. <laughs> And Charles is fresh off being one half of White Stripes at the great cover-up this week at King's. And I think the only Dolly images in this room are obscured right now because you did Jolene. And I was afraid that Rachel might get upset by someone tainting Jolene by it not being Dolly. Right. But, you know, it's... it's, If it's a good cover, it's a good cover. Yeah. I mean, I I was pretty proud of it because it was a cover of a cover. Yeah. Because, like, the White Stripes used to cover Jolene. And, yeah, I felt pretty proud of the the meta-ness of that. Right. Yeah. I like it. Well, I, I just didn't know how you connection would... to Dolly. If it's a good cover, I'm okay with it. You covering the White Stripes, covering Jolene. I just feel like yeah, okay. Well, you can blame it on Jack White still anyway. Like, well, I'm just doing what he did. Yeah. yeah. So anything people have wrong with it, you're like, well, Jack White did this way. I'm just. I mean, I will. I will say, I personally that. I mean, I think it's probably you know it, that it can't. It was it hit me at like a very prime time in my youth mm-hmm. when that came. But I remember. I mean that. That cover, that gave me some strong feelings, I remember. Yeah. Some very strong feelings, yeah. you know, of just... The original gives strong feelings, so if you can, like, repeat that as a cover... Yeah. I think you're doing pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Well, now that we've already uh, rambled... Our dolly. <laughs> rambled off on that, uh, <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about your background and kind of where and how 90s country became involved in that, or country in general? Yeah, I'll say off the bat, I'm definitely coming from a place of not a whole great deal deep love of 90s country and I think 90s country because of like when I was growing up I think it was that sound that probably you know made me think I don't like country music Mm -hmm. originally but at the same time the music that I did like was very I didn't rebel very hard from like my parents like I liked like 60s and 70s like you know, you. country rock and Dylan and John Prine and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and Jackson Brown was like always a, a big artist in our house. So like mm-hmm. we listened to a lot of that and you know, there's like country, it's country rock and there's pedal steel all over it and everything. Yeah. So it wasn't like a huge, you know, it wasn't a huge leap, but it did, there was kind of a mental barrier, I think for me of thinking like I didn't, you know, as I was a teenager and playing in bands and stuff like that, I was just, it was kind of my knee jerk thing of like, I don't right. like country, you know, like, yeah. you know, and I think that, some of that also, I think, was because of my parents, which, you know, the, in their generation, country music, you know, even though it's the, the kind of country I now listen to, because it's like 60s and 70s country, it was still the establishment, you know, it was like, right. there was, country was kind of on the right and everything, rock yeah. was on the left, and so, so I think I inherited some of that from them, and then also, my my mom had a. I was. Th- I thought about this a lot. I did one of those like shower deep, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. shower and thinking about like my past. But like, yeah, my mom it was one of nine brothers and sisters, and they all mm-hmm. liked country music. And she, I think, she just didn't want anything to do with that. Uh. So, even though it was through her that I first started going to, I was I would go to Nashville because she worked in fashion. So like, we would cool. hang out with Manuel Cuevas, who's like he studied under Nudie and right, was, like. Right. But you know, at the same time, there was always this kind of eye rolling, like oh Nashville, like you know 
country Gaudy. music. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was. I think I I did have like a mental block about it for a while, and then something just opened up. Any like one thing that was just like, oh, I'm cool with this now, or you know. Just- uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, it was it was kind of that, you know, like country rock gateway drug of mm-hmm. like the birds and the burrito brothers. And yeah. The Graham Parsons. And then. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you mentioned going to Nashville a good bit, but you grew up north of here. I grew up in Virginia. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Was it like rural Virginia or? Uh, it was I mean, like suburbs? some we moved around. It was like a lot of the time outside the D.C. area mm-hmm. uh, and then in like western kind of like Loudoun County. And then for a long time, we lived off the Rappahannock gotcha. in the kind of east of Richmond mm-hmm. yeah. in a town called Whitestone. So not far, but I moved, uh, I lived in Philly and I lived in Tennessee for a little bit. I was mm-hmm. in West Tennessee between Memphis and Nashville. Gotcha. So was there like a specific time when like 90s country was kind of brought up to your attention more? Or I like think- where you kind of started liking that? <laughs> like yeah. I was like, oh, I like 90s country specifically and not... Like the older, yeah. No, I think I think it was just because I got like once I started digging into country and that became and still. I mean, it for a while it was like all I was listening to, and it's still like something like on a daily basis, you know. Right. Like and now to a point where I almost don't think about it as much, you know. Like right. as as far as like I'm gonna listen to country now. Right. It's just kind of, and so I think it was just like a need for more songs and and kind of like and I think the you know the more like kind of closer to traditional stuff resonates with me more strongly so it's like i'd say like george Strait was the kind of like a mm-hmm. like intro point where i was like all right this is like more familiar sounding and it was like from the you know it was right, made right. after 1979 it's yeah. still good you know and then from there i kind of yeah my world opened even further <laughs> well and i think that that's a good kind of transition into talking about the song that you selected with alan jackson because he is one of those that even though he was right in the middle of the 90s, he did have kind of that neo-traditional kind of throwback sound. Yeah. This song I come to honestly because I, like, when I first heard it, I just, like, I don't know, it just, it made me feel... It made me feel good, you know. Yeah. Just to, you know, uh, and I actually we uh, we had a gig. Uh, I, my band's the Borrow Band. I'm wearing our T-shirt right <laughs> nice. here, um, and we had a gig at uh, the Tipsy Burrow in Charlotte, right, which right. is mm-hmm. the sister establishment to the Thirsty Beaver. And it was a uh, they wanted us to play a two-step brunch where we were going to come down and like they're going to oh, do two-step fun. lessons. And you know, like our sound is a little more towards like the country rock side, and and we have some like kind of songs that stretch into jams and stuff. And I was trying. To picture people two-stepping to like what we're doing (laughs) so i was like we gotta you know brush up on our like country so that was one song that i was like i thrust upon the band and there was there was some mild resistance at first i think when they saw the name alan jackson there was a little bit of like what's happening Uh you know but but then they acquiesced to it and yeah i think we did a pretty okay version of Complete with the uh, key change nice. at the, at the nice. end. Yeah. So that's funny that you say but, that because whenever I was Googling, like, chasing that neon rainbow, trying to get, like, the background on it, one of the things that popped up that kind of surprised me was on, like, a, a country dance website. And it listed, like, songs and dance types, and it was paired up with two-step. Oh, really? Um, okay. Which, it surprised me that, A, that website exists, I guess. Uh, uh, everything's on the internet. Everything's on the yeah. internet. <laughs> Charles um, has seen this website. How do you know? How do you think he knew how to do that's, the song? That's why you put like, it on the list. He's like, oh, there's a website for this? Weird. I, so I, my ex and I once identified an actor that whose name we couldn't place. She found a website called verytallactors.com. 
I swear How to God. Because she was like, he's so tall. And I was like, you're never going to find it that way. It was David Morse, by the way. Oh, Very interesting. Very tall actor. No idea who that is, but maybe yeah. I'd recognize you, him. Well, you, you, maybe I'd recognize like, who is that tall man? he's so tall. He's that, yeah, there you go. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, it's that's a good two-stepping song for sure. Uh-huh. Part of the reason I like this song is I like that he chose Neon Rainbow. And see, this goes back to the podcast, too. Mm-hmm. Did you like the the kind of, you know, I, I, I brought that in there as kind of yeah, a, thank a, you. Little, a little nod, you know? You are listening to Neon Boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neon Boots, Neon Rainbow. But that's I like that that's his image for, like, the dream, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I also like that there is, you know, the, I like anything that can kind of now help queer country, you know, yeah. or like, you know, or, or make it more inclusive and right. kind of... Well, in terms of the songwriting itself, there's a couple of different thoughts. I don't know which direction to go down right now, but his, especially his early songs, because he co-wrote or wrote a ton of them, were like very rooted in like, this is my life and this is what happened. And I'm just writing about myself autobiographically. I mean, he had a co-writer for this, but like the story about his dad winning the radio happened. And I was watching a video the other day where he's introing the song and said, it's in the Country Music Hall of Fame, which mm-hmm. I've been to, but I don't remember. Like, they asked for that radio to be brought in. It's mm-hmm. like, found in his dad's garage or whatever. So, like, I feel like he has this very, like, genuine blue-collar sense about his songs. Yeah. And kind of, like, growing up trying to make it sort of thing, uh, where, obviously, some of the other folks, even in the 90s, but in later country, is kind of like they're trying to put on that persona. Yeah. But for him, it's like, well, this is what you know, he moved to Nashville and was trying to make it and playing like the honky tonks and stuff like that, trying to get on the big stage. So I think that for me is like what makes this resonate a lot more than just some generic, like grew up in the country on granddaddy's mm-hmm. farm and blah, blah. I mean, I think they did like grow up like on their, <laughs> yeah. Quit, I really enough, yeah, I think I read on Wikipedia, they like had like a little house built like out back from their, his grandparents, like his mom lived there until like two years ago when she died or something mm-hmm. like that, which is crazy because of course he could build well, her a mansion was, if he wanted to. You know? It was like a small home that they added onto once they had Oh, maybe kids. so. I did But With you're talking about mind. Alan Jackson's house. Yeah. I'm talking about his mom still lived in like that house that they house grew, they grew up, up in. Yeah. 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 No, that's what I, Oh, okay. They talk about that on the... Um, oh, on the documentary. On that documentary. Yeah, yeah I watched that's that. It's not that great. Part, so is there, there's but, an Alan Jackson documentary? Yeah, it's okay. It's very like... Just like kind of rosy and on the, like what you expect from reading yeah. things about it. But it's in like of- interviews, because he's one of, he has five, four or five sisters. Yeah. And he's like the youngest and the only boy. And so they interview him or they interview all of the siblings. And it's not like Ken Burns by any means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, There's like little nuggets in it, but it's not like, oh, whoa, I never knew this whole side of Alan Jackson. You know, like, but he does, I mean, and part of it's probably how they paint it, just seem like still a dude who moved to Nashville to try to make it when he was like, I think 25 Mm -hmm. is when I read that he started writing songs. So, like, definitely not like, you know, he came to this early and was like plugging away. He was gone. I think he got like a job in a mailroom, and then his wife met Glenn Campbell mm-hmm. in the uh, on in a, an airport. Yeah, or she was a flight attendant, so met him, and that kind of like made a connection. So he was working. Alan was working in the TNN mailroom, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> wow, <laughs> just imagining that. Like, <laughs> so yeah, that's one thing I really appreciate about the song. And then speaking of watching videos, I've I tried usually when we're recording stuff, I look for covers and things like that, and there are not really many covers of this song I could find by like well-known 
country music yeah. pros. I think Cody Jinx, is that his name? Yeah, I saw yeah, that one. He yeah. has some covers up. Like, almost everything else was, like, just a bar band yeah. playing and doing it. But the cool thing was, clearly I spent too much time going down this uh, YouTube rabbit hole, but, like, there was this, like, Australian kid doing, like, a cover of it, which was hilarious because he's, like, doing it to, like, the backing track, but has, like, a guitar in his hand he's not playing. <laughs> Just, like, pose with it. And then there's, like, this Japanese band who's doing it. And, like, it's just, like, they're doing it in Japan. I'm like, whoa, this is, like, really translating if they're playing yeah. this song. This, I mean, it's Chasing Your Dreams, so it's very and relatable. It's like, like, even without the lyrics, so the song is just so oh, yeah, yeah. and sing-along-able. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I was thinking about it, too, I realized that I, I, I have, like, a songwriting rule for myself about not... I try not to write a song about writing songs or mm. about being a musician because mm-hmm. like I typically I mean so that's my caveat to like to this is like <laughs> I love this song but like generally I don't like songs about like I don't want to hear about what your life is like being in a band you right. know usually like that's ne- my knee jerk reaction is usually like I don't care like that's not interesting and like you just you obviously had those chords and that melody and you wanted to write a song mm-hmm. and you were like hanging out in the bus or whatever and you were like yeah let's write a song about touring you know right like, I generally like try to stay away from that but this song I love it and it was, like I think that's the thing is there's something and I, I don't want to get into like the authenticity or maybe we should I don't know but I yeah, think sure that there's it's like yeah. a there it's but this is like that hard to place thing of like I don't know why I believe him you know like I don't know why I believe this song or yeah. like if I feel you know that he means these lyrics or that they resonate and they're not like you know it's not like dense poetry it's mm-hmm. like and it is pretty typical a typical stuff like you know we're driving to the gig you know we don't get paid a lot right we're playing this show but like there's something about the way it's written that you know that i did i do it just it resonated so strongly i mean it was like and i feel like it did for me that thing the country music supposed to do like when you hear the song and you're just like hell yeah that's me you know like, yeah <laughs> like that's my life you know and I kind of, I still, to the, when I talk about the, when I still, when I, I'll send out emails to the band about like, can we play this gig or whatever? And, you know, usually people say, oh, you know, yeah, I can do it. And then if we're all on board, I'll like, you know, all right, it's time to chase that neon rainbow. You know I mean? I feel like it's like, I always want to bring it back to that. that yeah. That's what we're doing, you know, but yeah. So I wonder, is it, do you think it's because, because I also hear songs about people talking about being on the road and stuff. And I also I can understand having that negative reaction to it. And it's usually for me, like when people are writing about it in a negative way, like complaining. I was about to say yeah. the same thing. <laughs> Whereas like this is, you know, this is my dream and I'm going to do what I need to do to accomplish my dream. And it's like a positive, just an upbeat, positive sounding song musically. Yeah. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, but I think it's that and there's a balance. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that he's still like, you know, it's got the line about like the the overhead's killing me, right. you know, like and he's like right, most right. Of the times I sing for free, you know, like and so he's kind of, he's still got that kind of complaint. But then he's like, it. well, when the crowd's into it, it makes it, it seem makes right. It and right. You know, it's like kind of like this part sucks, but yeah. Yeah. Like this it's is why I it. do it. You yeah. Know, the, so that's that's the part I like about too. And then like the like, he brings in moments with his dad and his mom that are kind of, like, making it more, like, relatable and less yeah. bitchy. And, like, you know, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, when he's up there singing, he's thinking about his dad and his mom helping Get him lead him. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. which I think is a lot more endearing than just 
we're out here on the road touring, you know. Cause I, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, because, like, why, you know, who really wants to hear somebody complain about right. that lifestyle? You right. Know, like, Especially, like, a non-musician, I feel like. Yeah. A you, non-musician's going to be like, you want to hear about, like, my day? You know, right. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't wake up at noon. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> and imagine, like, Alan Jackson playing a song like that now, where he's, like, just straight bitching about yeah. being on the road all the time and roughing it and all that and people are like we don't we don't want to hear that as you pulled up in your tour bus right you know, like right. cool man yeah we don't believe you but like this is kind of like okay this is how I started out with these like you know kind of had to grind it out to get there but this is why I was doing it and what kind of led me there and what was in my mind still and you I think he as an artist is also just seems like such a nice and genuine guy that yeah. I really believe it Honestly, as as much as I enjoy like Garth Brooks, I think he's a little too flashy. And like if if he were to sing this song, same key and style and everything, I think it might would come across a little bit differently, as opposed to somebody like Alan Jackson, who I I think just it feels more genuine from him. Yeah, I don't think Garth Brooks could have done yeah. written this song. Yeah, I feel like he Garth Brooks seems like kind of inhabit a character in a song mm-hmm. where yeah. Alan Jackson seems to, and I'm sure not always be like this is me this more is me. or less. It's who I am. Yeah. You know, and like I said, a lot of his earlier stuff being written or co-written. I did dig up some stuff on the co-writer in this. Who I think we also mentioned during Chattahoochee because yes. he co-wrote Chattahoochee Jim mm-hmm. McBride. But I love it because he also had like kind of a similar background in some ways. <laughs> My favorite thing from his biography on his website. He traded a pistol for his first guitar, which is like <laughs> such a great country musician <laughs> songwriter move. Um, so then he was apparently living in Huntsville and writing songs, but he had a job at the post office. Him and Alan Jackson, both male folks, mm-hmm. you know. So then he didn't want to give up that job without knowing, kind of like, I'm going to make it in Nashville. Right. And so uh, he said, if I'm. If I have a song in his top 10, I'll move to Nashville. And then in 1981, Conway Twitty released one of his songs, A Bridge That Just Won't Burn. And that hit number two. And then Johnny Lee recorded You Can Bet Your Heart On It pretty soon after that hit number mm-hmm. one. So then he made the move. He and Alan Jackson you know, hung out a lot and co-wrote. He was the one, if you remember, we talked about how he had a notebook of like, these are songs I'm writing. And then these are like ideas for Alan specifically. Yeah. Because so, they were such tight co-writers together. Wow. But he wrote for like a ton of people, mm-hmm. the who's who of country artists, basically. So he eventually, I mean, I guess if your first hit was recorded by Conway Twitty, that's pretty damn, yeah, pretty, pretty awesome. And that, it seems like that 90s country is kind of his, where he did, he did a song for Wade Hayes, which like I recognize him whenever I look at the picture. And Colin Ray, who writes a lot of like cheesy, sad sap. 90s country songs. The ones you love. The ones that I want to stab my eyes out. But also like Trace Atkins and Lone Star. And of course, Alan Jackson. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's, I think also part of what I didn't actually know until preparing for this that Alan Jackson wrote this song. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I knew he'd written some, but I didn't know. And yeah, I actually didn't realize he'd written so many of his own, yeah. which I feel like is fairly rare, especially for, especially in the 90s oh, yeah. for country mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that might be part, you know, I wondered actually if that was, because I'm a songwriter, obviously, and I was wondering if like that was part of maybe what uh, about Alan Jackson's whole vibe appeals to me so much yeah. is that he is like, you know, like you said, he's like the, he is exactly what he's singing about, you know, and there's right. like no difference between the image really and who he mm-hmm. seems to be. He seems like that guy that would 
you know, be, do just pick up a guitar at your house, you know, or whatever, like after right. lunch. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah. not to do it to pick up chicks. But no, but just, just to sort of like, to oh, yeah, let's play a song. Around, yeah. yeah. Well, do we want to listen to the song? Always. Sure. Let's do it. Well, this overhead is killing me. Half the time I sing for free. But when the crowd's into it, Lord, it makes this thing I'm doing seem right. Standing in the spotlight, chasing that neon rainbow. I'm living that honky tonk dream. Cause all I've ever wanted is to pick his guitar and sing. All right, so we have to jump back into it because I'm getting fussed at by Rachel because we've <laughs> gone way off track. <laughs> way off track. So I, I brought up that I discovered a song called Chasing That Neon Reindeer. And I wanted them to weigh in on it because, like, kind of a parody, but also not. very loosely. Yeah, it, it's on. I think Rachel, you were right that it was just close enough to not get sued. Yeah, I'm mad that like they don't go for the obvious, like, it's the same number of syllables too. It's like chasing that neon reindeer, living that Santa Claus dream would be the obvious like thing to put there. But it's like some but I think stupid. Then you're then you're. It's, then they got their, mm. they got you. They got changed that second line away from dream completely to be yeah. like something that just doesn't even sound the same. Yeah. yeah. But that's, if you want to look that up, it's on Christmas Classics Redneck Style. And then we discovered a wealth of Christmas albums with Redneck in the name of it. Do you see how Jeff much Foxy. the audio CD is? Oh, Jeff it's Fox vintage. 3566 if you want that on Amazon. Oh, I bet that we could probably go into a Goodwill. Uh, I was about to say, Scrap, Scrap Thrift probably has it. Yeah, you can be our favorite listener if you can find that in a <laughs> um, Scrap It's, it's on like Spotify or something. I'm not <laughs> going to bother. But then I went to the Redneck Christmas Party triple disc set and discovered Christmas Ain't Been the Same Without You, Dale Earnhardt, which... <laughs> There's also little musical references to the first Noel in there. It's pretty classy. So <laughs> Rachel doesn't seem to I like it as much. Classy is the word that I would use. Rachel to doesn't it. seem to like it as much, but that would be my listen on the way home. So, <laughs> well, speaking of YouTube discoveries, I also sent y'all on the way over, but I doubt y'all had time to listen to it. No. I listened um, to it on the way over. A little bit. Okay. About, yeah, the Alan Jackson's first, his uh, actual first, his actual yeah, because this Chase That Neon Rainbow came out on his 1990 album Here in the Real World, which is like billed as his debut mm -hmm. but then in 1987 he recorded and released an album called new traditional which somehow only ended up being released in japan did I've you listen been, to it also yeah. i feel like his vocal his vocal sounds like an octave lower to right me. it sounds way different and definitely hey i want to be like george jones merle haggard like that kind mm -hmm. of there's literally a song like right that. right like this <laughs> track number two or three oh. is like singing with george and merle george, or something yeah. like that and it's like that's just like him like hey i like these guys i'm gonna make a tribute album to them with my own songs kind of is what it felt like yeah which i mean the quality of it was lower and all that kind of stuff too so it's kind of unfair to judge against everything else but I definitely like that seemed... first one though might just not might not be drinking enough <laughs> right yeah the song title had like he knew how to write a song title yeah about it. yeah i feel like if anything was going to get george jones's attention <laughs> probably like if you put a song with george jones's name in it you probably would get his attention and if like a good drinking song, right right he's like well there's two right here i gotta have two. this yeah well apparently like... sorry i'm just looking this up from the link that you sent and apparently he didn't write that song oh. the sorry the you're not drinking enough but it was also recorded by Don Henley for his 1984 album Building the Perfect Beast. Wow, interesting. Mm -hmm. You so know, was, that was my first. That was my first concert, actually. My very first Don live Henley? concert was Don wow. Henley. On the, oh man, like, it must have been like the Age of Innocence tour. Uh -huh. Yeah, 
How was that? I, I thought it was great. I mean, I was probably seven. I can't remember exactly. I was young. I wanted to go. I actively wanted to go. Nice. And yeah. Well, and there's also that thing of, I think, your first time realizing these people I'm here on the radio, that's a real person. Yeah, they're and real. And I can go see them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And people will scream at them the entire time they're Correct, doing yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, yeah it seemed fun. <laughs> seemed fun to get screamed at. It seemed fun to get screamed at in that way. <laughs> in a different way. I want to bring up when you first were kind of plugged into or associated a lot with like the anti-folk scene or movement. And that being very different in a lot of ways from songs like this, but also especially like later 90s, highly produced songs yeah i think like the aesthetically and i think like anti-folk in general is part of that kind of late 80s early 90s sort of like post-punk pre-grunge kind of thing where it was like you know it was actively rebelling against slick kind of you know overproduced 80s you know and then into like early 90s stuff so i think like like the sound my sound has changed a little bit i don't think like at first listen now that's like anti-folk would be the genre maybe that people would first think of but i i think lyrically like i got kind of lumped in with anti-folk and not to not to like you know not that i was upset about it but like i think that i was kind of in that because i was playing a lot solo and it was right. and i was home recording so they were like lo-fi but then the music itself like the lyrics are always have always kind of been about like I guess, like, less than typical subject material. And also, like, I just kind of... I mean, generally speaking, I kind of think I write about, like, ugliness a lot of the time or, like, topics that, you know, a lot of songs wouldn't necessarily want to deal with. Mm -hmm. And not to to say I'm going out on some kind of, you know, I'm treading territory but where no one's been. (laughs) But, you know, I think it's, like, there's a focus on the ugliness and kind of the blemishes that... So I think that's the that's the continuum from the anti-folk thing to right. what I'm doing now. Yeah. But the sound now, I think I've gone... The sound now is closer to what's always been in my head, which is a little mm-hmm. bit closer to, like, 70s rock and... Yeah. Right. Which is still more produced, but not as much as, like, you hear in 90s country yeah. by any means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still... I mean, I still... I, I mean, that's the thing. I, and I, as I was thinking about Alan Jackson, too, I guess I was, I was wondering... I was like, am I, like, a neo-traditionalist or something because I I like I really get very conservative (laughs) or I feel conservative when I'm recording or like because I want like I I really want each instrument to be be heard as much as it like is supposed to actually sound Mm -hmm. and I do get a little and maybe this is like where it Maybe this is why I wanted to be Jack White for the cover up because I like <laughs> antique, you know, or like or like vintage sound mm-hmm. better than like. I was even really resistant. There's one on the record now. There's there's one song with some electronic keyboard on it that James is playing. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I've been very like no synths in the band, yeah. you know, like right. <laughs> keyboards and that kind of thing. So yeah. Well, I think like now even just wanting like a pedal still on your record that can actually be heard yeah. is like neo-traditional in a sense compared to like a lot of bands out there like either barely want to put it in there or not have one at yeah. all like i remember a couple of years ago they're not what i would consider a country band but i saw old crow medicine show doing that tribute to blonde on blonde uh, which is like one of my favorite albums of all time so i was like yeah i'm gonna go see this and see how in they Asheville? do was it was in raleigh oh, okay yeah i was at uh, memorial and they had they played as like a eight piece or something like that and they had a guy up there playing pedal steel and i was like 
oh, awesome. But then I literally heard it like maybe two seconds in the first you know, eight songs or whatever, just because like, it was barely up in the mix. And I don't think it was necessarily like a live sound issue. I think it was just like they had so much going on and yeah. didn't really want to feature the pedal still as much just kind of have it have it up there so it's like all right we've got this box checked like yeah yeah you know, we're doing this like kind of country rock country folk and you're with not pedal country steel. unless you have a pedal steel <laughs> that's the law yeah well i would be okay with that law <laughs> i love some damn pedal steel so we've got a great i've got a great pedal steel player mm-hmm. gordon harton's our pedal steel player and he's yeah he can play like traditional style but he also i think of him more like sneaky pete like in from right. real brothers because mm-hmm. he uses effects and does some kind of trippy yeah. psychedelic stuff but yeah we always want to make sure he's he's in the mix yeah. <laughs> and he's all he he does some great stuff on our record that we made with james yeah yeah, yeah. so did y'all watch the music video for yes for this and that's funny because I re- watching the video, the pedal steel player stood out to me because he's right there in the front. But it was also, so the whole premise of the music video is that Alan Jackson is auditioning to be some regular feature at a bar. He walks in by himself with just his guitar case, but then he performs with this backing band and it's like, it's house okay, band. is the it house the house band. band? And how did the house band like pick up his song so quickly? Because it's just so good. Because they're like, so good. They, I mean, they communicate on that key change though. That's, yeah, that's the best like, part. He gave like, a wink. He gave like, a wink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the nice country wink. Key change coming up. But then at the end of the video, he got hired, of course. and For $10. For ten. three shows a night. What does it say? It's like Jackson. Alan or something like that. How's he here? He, he does his stuff like Bond, like yeah. 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 Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is, it's three shows a night, ten dollars a show. Each, yeah, it's thirty bucks. I don't know that I would do that. Oh, do you guys split it with the house band, or is it just? You know? And do you have a tip jar out front too? Because if you can take tips, Did you, there was only a few people in that bar. But there was one <laughs> lady was that hopped was up into and it. she was into it. She was <laughs> yeah, two stepping by herself. You know, she didn't have any cash left. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. I love that video. It's so on the nose. It's just right up there. There's like yeah. It's what's having playing in a bar, and also you notice when he's coming into the bar, it's mm-hmm. his it's his hit single from that album playing yeah. right. on the yeah. radio, yeah, like foreshadowing <laughs> the it genius. Knew. It knew, right? It's the one that came out, the one that was released as a single after this, right? Yeah, it was. Which, which I mean, obviously, they probably playing the order of mm-hmm. singles, but that's still. Or do you think the premise of the video is that he's already Alan Jackson, like he's already got this hit, but he's walking into some place where they've never, they don't know, they don't know, and he just because he's like, you know, he's like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna keep it real. This is what I love to do, you know. Because in the '90s, it was just like a dude on country radio who you wouldn't necessarily know who was singing it. Yeah, like oh, it's another dude singing another song. The guys on country music nowadays, like if they walked in and were like, I'm somebody fancy I'd be like you which minor league baseball team did you play for but that's why I love like Nashville airport is one of the best airports to fly in and out of with an instrument because yeah. they always treat you like know. you could be because they don't know because really and that it. took me a while to get used to because I would fly into Nashville and they'd like the like flight people would hand you your guitar and they'd be like here you go you know like really ginger with it <laughs> yeah. and I realized like oh they don't know like I could be you know somebody like somebody real important Trent, you know, Mick Bama or whatever, you know, like who just Trent has a new song and like they've never heard of me, they never seen me, but like I'm really important. If you drop mm-hmm. that guitar, like you're fired, you know? Like, yeah. so it, that's nice. Trent McBama is still a better name, like Bubba Sparks. I'll say Bubba that. Sp- like, there's, there are worse made up on the spot names. <laughs> 
I wonder, like, if Alan Jackson could walk in anywhere now and pull off that trick. Yeah, I think so. Probably that bar in Japan where that band was playing. No. He just hop up. He just hop over him in Japan. I think, yeah. Actually, that was probably like a honky tonk bar that was like mm-hmm. super into it. I don't even yeah. pay attention to the details, but it's probably like a very specific bar that they were at. Yeah. He could go like, I feel like, I don't know. I don't want to get all like pipsters, but I feel like he could walk into like some like somewhere in Portland or something. I never That's what I was going to say. So, or something like Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Where they'd just be like, cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then he'd go out and start water skiing in jeans. Like, man, this dude's a badass. <laughs> be like, they wouldn't wow. even know anything about his music. They'd be like, whoa. Or they'd be like, whatever, just trying to do an Alan Jackson impression. <laughs> no, that is Alan Jackson. <laughs> uh, one thing I don't think we've talked about yet, but I know we've touched on in like previous episodes about some nice country. I think Alan Jackson does this a lot, is kind of rooting the songs in a perspective in like class. And, like, mm-hmm. this is, like, the perspective of, like, like I said, kind of like the grinding it out and trying to make it thing. And, like, you know, the family part's tied into that a lot, too. So I think that's another thing that kind of resonates with me about this song, too, is that it's very much stuck in that without being, mm-hmm. like, the tropes of mm-hmm. dirt road, you know, yeah. the pickup truck, like those kind of things that 2000s, 2010s. 2020 now, fuck. Uh, country, <laughs> you know, will we'll do to try to get those signifiers of like, hey, we're talking about our rural upbringing. And it's like, that's what he's doing in the song, though. Yeah. Well, just by saying that his dad won the radio. Right. Like, that tells a little bit about class of, you know, we weren't the types of folks that could afford to go and buy a really nice radio, but daddy won one. Yeah. Yeah. There's also the great in the video. Uh, the, like for some, just like towards the end, they put in that montage of his like baby pictures. Oh yeah, 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 like yeah. His, yeah. His childhood pictures. Yeah, uh, it doesn't really like it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> no, not at all. The video, but like I like I guess like yeah, they really it you know it gives you those it gives yeah. you those good feelings. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> who doesn't want to look at an adorable picture of young Alan Jackson slowly aging? You know, as they like flash. In Imagine forward. rocking to that sound the steel guitar or whatever they said. Yeah, but, in the cradle. Yeah. <laughs> So she got pictures, letting you fill that in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually saw I saw George Jones perform like in down in, in Mississippi, like at a community college, like 2013 or something. Mm-hmm. It was like one of his last shows before he died. But he just he would have like basically like a PowerPoint presentation like that was behind him. It was like a slideshow of uh-huh. like family pic, like home. They were like home pictures though. It was Dang. like him and his wife and like. Oh, wow. But then it would transition. Then he would start doing when he was doing one of his like drinking songs. Would be like him getting arrested, you know, like that picture, <laughs> oh, like I the like famous that. George Jones, like <laughs> getting thrown in like you know the back of the state trooper's car and everything. Yeah, but it really was. It was great because it was like I was like, this is like a PowerPoint presentation. He's just like somebody's back there like clicking through it. <laughs> you don't think well, they like did the automatic. Timer? It did, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I guess it did have the, but it had the fades and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, wow. High tech. Well, yeah. uh, as we learned. I high tech look, hillbilly. That was one of the High tech redneck. That high was the one. Redneck. I was look up yeah. the year, the, the 93 hit. Yeah. <laughs> hit, in quotes. We've talked about that song way too much to have not, like, actually oh, God, so, officially covered it yet. It's so great. Uh, and yeah, I would love, like, that he just discovered PowerPoint, like, 2008 and yeah. was like oh that's that's the thing I can put videos on the screen yeah. and I was like oh, yeah. let's do this like, I could definitely yeah <laughs> you know he got one of his one of the youngins to come mm-hmm. set that up <laughs> come over here and make us a powerpoint a for my tour 
Oh, man. Well, I don't have a cool transition to talk about what you have coming up. Are you going to cover? Are, are you playing any bars soon? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. Hopefully more than six well, people. I know. Damn, Rachel. Just... <laughs> Sorry. You know. When I originally recorded my episode of Neon Boots, I neglected to mention a bunch of upcoming performances that I have with the Borrowed Band. And when I got home, my manager called me and uh, screamed. Like, I've never heard anyone scream and called me things that really shouldn't be repeated anywhere, even on an uncensored podcast. So uh, I called and begged Spencer and Rachel and asked them if I could have a, another opportunity to record over what I'd said and, and plug these shows. Um, so thank you, and thank you for listening. And someone, please, um, please help me. On a bright note, though, you can come uh, to some, some of these live performances that I mentioned earlier. Uh, including uh, the, the 21st Annual Love Hangover, which is going to be at Neptune's in Raleigh on uh, Saturday, February 15th. It's going to be a great show. Duets, love songs, anti-love songs. I'm doing it with Abby, my bandmate, singing partner. Then I'll be, uh, I'll be on my own Saturday, March 7th at the Kraken uh, for a Towns Van Zant tribute night. That's going to be fun. Uh, John Howie Jr.'s playing, Hard Worker, Yard Arm, then uh, you can catch the Borrowed Band on Friday the 13th of March at Earl's in Winston-Salem. It's going to be our first time there. We're excited for that. On Sunday, March 15th, we're at one of our favorite honky-tonks in the world, the Thirsty Beaver in Charlotte. Then the, the next Saturday, the 21st of March, we're back at the Kraken playing with the Yard Arm. Saturday, March 28th, we're down in Charlotte again at Smoky Joe's with Temperance League. And then Monday, March 30th, we're back home in Durham playing beer and banjos at the pit. That'll be a stripped-down version of the borrowed band. And uh, just a little taste of what we got coming up in April, too, because I'm excited about this one. On Saturday, April 4th, we're going to be at the Berkeley Cafe in Raleigh with Horsehead. They're a, a Richmond band, country rock, real solid. Um, so come check that out, y'all. You are fishing or did finish your album with James? Yeah, the record is done. It's going to be eponymously titled Charles Latham and the Borrowed Band. It's kind of, it's the first, I, my last record I did with uh, some of the same musicians, but this mm -hmm. is the first one of like the group that's been touring a mm -hmm. lot. So, and I kind of feel like we've developed a sound. So it's kind of going to be like an intro to that, to the yeah. band. But yeah, there's some pedal steel on there nice you can two-step to some of it do you have an approximate time frame for the release or? i think in june cool the sultry month of june so, summer cool. two-stepping yeah Things. summer two-step is not too hot you can go down to the you can water ski in your cowboy boots <laughs> to it yeah all right we'll wait for that music video for sure yeah absolutely go to the eno quarry and just whip around there on a and that'll probably be also my last my last appearance will be a local man drowns trying to water ski, trying to recreate Chattahoochee video. He probably wouldn't be the first person that's happened oh, to. Oh, I'm sure somebody else like, has done that You know that someone got drunk as oh, yeah. shit off of, you know, bush Florida, lights. Florida and, man. Yeah. yeah, Florida. That's definitely a Florida man story. Yeah, Florida man drowns trying to recreate Chattahoochee. He was, he was chasing his neon rainbow. Yeah. What a way to go. I, I did reference this song. I don't know if you saw it. I posted on our Instagram story the other day because mm -hmm. someone tweeted at us crown the queen thank you uh that is a fun listen and they were hoping that we get to interview joe diffie while eating bojangles biscuits one day and that is our that neon, is our neon that rainbow. is our neon rainbow <laughs> like absolutely <laughs> the neon that's, boots see, that's neon beautiful yeah. yeah 
Very poetic. So thank you for being until we get to that point, Charles. Yeah, I mean, like I'm, we didn't even bring Bojang. I didn't bring Bojangles this time. I really fucked up. Yeah, but I know. I you guess, know. Yeah, I guess I could see where I am in relation to the to your actual dream guest. <laughs> really, that's okay. <laughs> You're not quite <laughs> at Dicky level. Just keep practicing. Just like work just, on your work on your mustache, <laughs> and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I had to shave it. I had to shave down as bald as I could go to be mm-hmm. Jack White. You know, yeah. like the old saying is smooth and pale as Jack White. <laughs> <laughs> If you write a Christmas song somewhere between Chasing That Neon Reindeer and Leroy the Redneck Reindeer, <laughs> the Joe Diffie classic, then, you know, then, then Bojangles would be involved. All right. That's the challenge. That's something to shoot for. That yeah. is something, yeah. yeah. That could be your... I've got, rainbow. like, almost 12 months. So, <laughs> Although, no, actually, wait, all Christmas songs are done in, like, summer, so I've got six months mm-hmm. about... Yeah. Well, it sounds like you just finished a record, so There's you're time. like, I don't know what you're... Yeah. you got nothing else, James. To-do list. Record yeah. the Chattahoochee <laughs> knockoff video. <laughs> if I survive that, <laughs> then the Christmas, Christmas classic. Yeah. 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 If you're in the hospital for any length of time, I'll give you time to yeah, do I can some do songwriting. There. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Meet with my lawyer, too, to make sure I avoid, like, you know, the copyright. Like, I don't think you meant because we're, like, actively encouraging this. Oh, no, 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 yeah. Like, those two assholes who are like, yeah, you definitely go look at no, my I, ski I in this place where I know. What, what Alan Jackson Neon Rainbow Law actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, how close to that song are you allowed to get with before you get sued by Alan what's the, Jackson? What's the case law on this? Like, what, this is why we keep Jackson our... Jackson versus... We keep our clips to 30 seconds because we don't want to get sued. On this podcast. Good idea. Yeah, they're going to get our very high-tech recording equipment. Mm-hmm. If We are just rambling now. I feel like we should. We are. <laughs> wrap it, yeah. Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, cool. thanks so much for coming Thank today. Thank you. This yeah. was great. Thanks was for fun. chasing that neon rainbow. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, Mom. It <laughs> was the night before Christmas. In the fire's glow I picture your face From a long time ago Though you've run your last race Still I want you to know Christmas ain't been the same Without you, Dale Earnhardt 